We're beginning here on the top of Mem Aleph from an Aleph with the statement of Ula. Ula is coming to qualify something that we saw in the Mishnah yesterday, and that was the Makhluk between Rabbi Yehuda and the Chachamim. Over there, Rabbi Yehuda and the Chachamim argue about which brook is given precedence in a situation. Rabbi Yehuda says that the hierarchy is determined by whether it's one of the Shiva Taminim. If it's one of the seven species that Eretz Yisrael's Nishtab Chabahen, that are special for Eretz Yisrael, that are mentioned in the Pasuk and Parshat Ekev, then they get precedence in terms of bracha. It has to do with the personal preference or personal desires of the individual, whichever one he likes better. The poskim, the rishonim, in dealing with this concept of whichever one you like better is not something where at that moment you prefer something, but rather it's in normal situations or when you're presented with these choices over and over again, which one would you prefer? It's a long-term decision about what you like, not a short-term, at this moment, I prefer this item. So there's a machloket in the mission between the Chachamim who say, Chaviv, there's a subjective nature to which bracha you pick first, versus Rabbi Hudu who sets out some objective standard that it's from the Shiva Taminim, then that's what determines. Now Ula comes to define where the machloket is. Amarullah. The only time that there is this machlok between the Yehudu and the Chachamim is when we're dealing with the same bracha, the same level of bracha, and now you have a choice. So, for instance, we're dealing with, you have grapes and oranges. So both of those are bari priya eights. In that instance, you have a machlok between Rabbi Yehudu and the Chachamim, which one to give precedence to. Should I give precedence to the grapes, because they're found in the pasuk of the Shivat Aminim, or do I give precedence to the oranges, because I like oranges better? Rabbi Yehuda, min Shiva Adib, Rabbi Yehuda, give precedence to one of the Shivat Aminim. Rabbanan Sabri, min Chaviv Adib, the one that you like better, is the one that you give precedence to. Aval B'Sha'in, Birkudayim Shavot. Their brachot are not equal. For instance, you have a Borei Mimim Zanot, versus a Borei Priya Eitz. Or you have a Borei Priya Eitz, versus a Borei Priya Adama. Divriyakol. In that instance, it's clear that you have to make a bracha on one and then a bracha on the other. Now, both Rashi and Tosafot discussing this point out, you make one bracha and then you have to make the other bracha. For instance, if you had carrots and you were also having a fruit. The Mishnah told us that if you make a bari priya daman of fruit, you are yotze with that bracha. That is only bidiyevit. That is, if by accident you made a bracha on an orange, and you said, you don't have to repeat the bracha. But that's not to say, if you're having carrots and oranges, one is, the other one is, that you should just make a on the carrots, and that will also qualify for the oranges. Nobody believes that. And when we say over here, that means that we're going to separate out the brachot. Not that you're going to make a single bracha for the different items, but rather you're going to make a separate bracha on each item. Now, if your brachot are the same, then it's obvious that the boy priyayets, like in our example before for the grapes and the oranges, whichever item you make the boy priyayets on will also qualify or discharge your obligation with regards to the other fruit. Our only question here is when she'en birkatan shavot, when they are not equal to brachot, there everybody agrees that you have to make both brachot. Now, the question again becomes of precedence. The statement of Ula is somewhat unclear. It's ambiguous. It says, Divrei HaKol. The question is, when you say Divrei HaKol, who is agreeing to whom in that second part of the statement of Ula? In the first part, we have a Machloket, Rabbi Huda Nechachamim. In the second part now, it says Divrei HaKol. Everybody agrees. Well, it'll be a difference. If everybody agrees, there'll be a difference between everybody agrees to the position of Rabbi Huda, or if everybody agrees to the position of the Chachamim. So Tosavot quotes Rashi as saying that, this is, everybody agrees to the position of the Chachamim. And he says that makes sense, because you have a dat yochid, dat rabim, and we have an ambiguous statement, that it makes sense to go towards the rabim. And that, for that reason, we'll say that Rabbi Yehuda 
defers to the position of the Chachamim. That is, the position of Rashi, the position of Tosafot. We're going to finish up the sugya, and just to note, I'm pointing out here along the way, issues where Poskim or Rishonim could take a different position. And that will lead to us to the hierarchy of Brachot that we'll lay out at the end of today's Amud, which is what Brachot go first in which situations. But here's the first of those issues, which is you have a Machloket review than the Chachamim. We know where their Machloket is, but then we have an agreement between them in a case when Ein Birkotem Shavot. We just don't know whom agrees to whom. And that is, Tosfot and Rashi both here believe that it's Rabbi Yehuda agreeing to the Chachamim. On the other hand, there are other Rishonim that believe that it means that the Chachamim agreed to Rabbi Yehuda's position in this case. He has a choice in front of him between a radish and an olive. A radish is a Bari Priyadama, a Zayit and olive is a Bari Priyadz. You make a bracha on the radish, and that discharges the obligation with regards to the olive. So how come What is the case here? Because it can't be that you make a bracha of Bari Priyadama and that covers the Zayit, because we just discussed before that when you have different brachot like that, you can't have one discharge the obligation for the other. You have to make a separate bracha on each item. So it must be that a tznon ikar, that the tznon, the radish, is the major item that you're trying to eat. So for instance, you're eating radishes, they're a little sharp, so you want to temper that sharpness, so you eat olives to temper that sharpness. So the olives are all secondary to the radishes. Ihachi eima seifa. And what are you going to do with the latter half of that bright that we just quoted? Rabbi Yehud Omer, Make a brach on the olive, because the olive is from the Shiva and Mimim. Lately, the Rabbi Yehuda had it not. Rabbi Yehuda does not subscribe to what we're going to see in the Mishnah, Poshri Ikar, Bimot Pela. Whenever you have a primary item that you're eating, and then there's something that is secondary to it, Make a brach on the primary item, and the secondary item is drawn along with it. The lately. Okay, maybe. Maybe Rabbi Yehuda does not subscribe to that position in the Mishnah. But Tanya, we have an explicit bright that says Rabbi Yehuda does subscribe to it. If the only reason he's eating the olives is because of the radish, then he makes a brach on the radish, and that discharges the obligation with regards to the olive, because the olive is all secondary here. So that means for sure Rabbi Yehuda subscribes to that principle. If you have a primary item and a secondary item, we only make the bracha on the primary item. If that's the case, how do we explain the machloka that is brought before with the Tanakhama saying you make a bracha on the radish and Rabbi Yehuda saying that you make a bracha on the zayit. The Gemara says, the olam, we have to say, bitsnoni kar askinam. We're still dealing with the case where the radish is the primary item. When they argue, they argue about a different issue, nothing connected to this first statement of the Braita. But Surah Maxar on the Braita is actually missing the transition word between the first case in the Braita and the Machloket between Rabbi Yehuda and Rechachamim. This is what it meant to say. He had in front of him both a radish and an olive. He makes the bracha on the radish, which is the primary item, and that discharges the obligation with regards to the olive. When is this true? That's when the radish is the primary item. If the radish is not the primary item, then everybody agrees you have to make separate brachot, one bracha on the radish and one bracha on the zayit. Now again, over here, when it says it's not clear what does that mean. Which goes first? Do you make the bracha on the radish if you like that better? Or do you have to make the bracha on the olive first because the Olive is one of the Shibat Aminim. So again, when we have Dibri Akol, it's the same ambiguity that we had before, which is, are the Chachamim agreeing to Rabbi Yehuda? Or is Rabbi Yehuda agreeing to the Chachamim? Ushnei Minim Ba'alma. And this is another case. You have two different types of fruits in general. 
Shebirkotehem Shavot, that have an equal bracha, orange and grapes. Whichever one he prefers, he takes first. So if he prefers oranges, he can take the orange first. Always make a bracha on the Shibata Minim, because Shibata Minim gets precedence. So if you have a choice between Bori Pereits on Shibata Minim and Bori Pereits on something that's not Shibata Minim, we're going to give objective precedence to the Shibata Minim. So here again, we see this machok between Rabbi Yehud and the Chachamim that revolves around Bishabirkotehem Shabot, when their brachot are equal. So please give Rabbi Ami, Rabbi Yitzchok Napko. We have a machok at about how narrow the machok between Rabbi Yehud and the Chachamim is. Chadamar machok at Bishabirkotehem Shabot. The machloket is when the brachot are equal. They're basically what we've said until now in the Gemara, which is when you have an equal bracha, that's where the machloket is. Rabbi Yudah Savrei Min Shiva Adif. Rabbi Yudah gives precedence to the Shivat Aminim. Rabbanan Savrei Min Chaviv Adif. And Rabbanan give precedence to the one that you like. When they don't have equal brachot, you have to make separate brachot on them. Again, the same ambiguity about who degrees to whom, about what is the proper order in that case. Bechadamar, the other Amara says, Af Even when the brachot are not equal, they also have this machloket. And as Rashi points out, if Rabbi Yehuda believes when Ein Birkotehem Shavot that the Shivat Aminim gets precedence, then certainly when the brachot is equal, that the Shivat Aminim will also get precedence. And that means that their machloket will persist both for Ein Birkotehem Shavot and Birkotehem Shavot. Amara says, Bish, Shavot Machloket Shapir. According to one who says, when the brachot are on an equal plane, I understand what their machloket is about. We have the same bracha, and I have to determine how to give precedence inside of that bracha. I have to pick one item to do first. So is it shivat aminim, or is it the one that I like? I understand their machloket. Who says, they even argue when the brachot are not equal, but my plige. Why is there an argument? We know what the hierarchy of brachot are, and there, why should there be any machloket about shavot? What is it that is going to make us have to make a decision about hierarchy if we're dealing with different brachot. It's in order to which one to put first in the brachot. And that is, Damar of Yosef, the Itema Rabbi Yitzchak. If you notice in our Gemara, it says, Dif. That's a dollar which connects it to the previous statement. It says that Rabbi Yosef, the Itema Rabbi Yitzchak says, Anything that's earlier in the Pasuk also gets an earlier bracha. In the Pasuk of Eretz, Chita, Surah, Devim, Teinav, Rimot, all of those items that are listed there, whichever is earlier in the Pasuk, that gets precedence in terms of bracha. Namar, Eretz Kitao, Surah, Gefim, Tenewa, Rimon, Eretz Eichem, and Udvash, Uplige, Di Rabbi Hanan. And this argues in Rabbi Hanan, Dam Rabbi Hanan, Polo Pasuk, Kulo, the Shi'urim. This Pasuk is really laid out because it gives us Shi'urim for the Halacha. And it's not about precedence, it's about something totally different, which we'll get to in a second. Basically, what's laid out here is that the aloha is that the precedence of the bracha is going to be determined when ain't birkotam shabot, by which is earlier in the pasuk. I'm going to see later on in the Gemara. That's not only just in order of the pasuk, but it's what's closer to the word eretz in the pasuk. It means eretz kitav sorah, which are number one and two. And then you also have zechemen udivash. Zechemen and javash are also one and two after the word eretz. First word eretz gets precedence. And then the second word, Eretz, is after that. So then we'll see later on in the Gemara today that if it comes to a challenge between Dvash, Tamarim, and a Rimon, and a Pomegranate, then Dvash, Tamarim, will get precedence because Rimon is the fifth, whereas Dvash is second after the word Eretz, so it will get precedence. The question is, what is the Halacha? First of all, I've just pointed out to you that there was a Dalid, the Amar of Yosef, in the Gemara. Both Rashi and Tosavot have that Girsa. Tosavot brings that there's an alternative Girsa that does not have Dalid but rather just says a new statement, an independent statement, Amar of Yosef. The reason to have that is because if you say the Amar of Yosef, 
That means this whole idea of precedence in the Pasuk, or being closer to the word Eretz, is connected to Rabbi Huda's position. We're talking about here, when the brachot are not equal, what does Rabbi Huda think about precedence of Shivat Aminim? And the answer is, Lahakdim. Which one of the Shivat Aminim goes first, based on the layout in the Psukim? But that means that that whole halacha is only in the sheet of Rabbi Huda. If you do not have a dollar there, and it's an independent statement, and Tosvah brings that from Rabbi Shmaya, that he has a gersa that was Amar Rabbi Yosef, and that it was an independent statement, and that means it applies both to the Rabbanon and to Rabbi Yehuda. Now, from all of this, we want to come to a conclusion about what is the hierarchy of brachot. So you should know that amongst the poskim, first of all, there's a machloket, whether we pass them like Rabbi Yehuda, or we pass them like the Chachamim. That's number one. Number two is, even if we pass them like the Chachamim or Rabbi Yehuda, we have to go back to what I just said before, which is the ambiguity and the bright of Diriakol. Who is admitting to whom in those situations? Even if you pass like the Chachamim or Rabbi Yehuda, you have to know who's admitting to whom when it comes to Be'en Birkatem Shabbat. And number three is, this statement of Rabbi Yosef doesn't apply even if you do not hold like the position of Rabbi Yehuda. So the halacha, in terms of hierarchy, there are actually four ways to determine hierarchy of brachot. The first hierarchy is determined by the pirut ha-bracha, how specific the bracha is. The more specific the bracha is, the more precedence we're going to give to that bracha. How you determine narrowness, there are different ways to do it. The simplest way to explain it is, it covers the least amount of items. So, a shahakol, which is the widest net of bracha, will be on the lowest on the totem pole. Hamotzi, which is the highest level of bracha, it's the most narrow bracha, that will get the first stage in terms of brachot. So, in terms of that, you have the bracha of Hamotzi will be on top, then there will be Boremi Nebi Zanot, after that will be Bore Priya Gofen, and Gefen will be after that, then Bore Priya Eitz, then Bore Priya Adama, and then Shehakol. So that's the first set of hierarchy that matters in terms of determining which bracha you should make first. The second determination of which bracha should be made first is determined by the Shivat Aminim. Shivat Aminim get precedence, and even within the Shivat Aminim, the order in the Pasuk matters. So that means if you have bread that's made out of wheat and bread that's made out of barley, we will give precedence to the bread made out of wheat over that which is made of barley because it's earlier in the Pasuk of the Shivata Minim. The third qualification that we use in terms of determining the brachot is whole versus cut. And we saw this earlier in the Gemara, that we will give precedence to something that's whole over something that's pieces or cut in half, even if the other item, the one that's cut, is better or bigger, whole takes precedence. That's the third thing. And the fourth thing is Khabib, that which you appreciate, that which you like better. So now all four of these will be the qualifications of how we determine hierarchy. The question comes up when you have a competition between different items. Now in terms of absolute hierarchy, the order of the brachot by Hamotzi, Mizunot, and Gafen, it's pretty straightforward that those are the hierarchy of the brachot, and they will go in that order. Again, within the each one of those items, there might be within the posuk, Something that is earlier than the other. We saw before about chita and sora, bread of chita, bread of sora. Or if you have different wines that you are tasting, if make bori and you'll pick the one that you like best. And there, these are secondary determinations once we've made the first set of hierarchies. Now, the place that it matters, this machoket Rabbi Yehuda and Chachamim really matters, is by Bori Priyayit. By Bori Priyayit, once I'm already making the bracha of Bori Priyayit, where do I give my precedence and priorities in making that bracha? Do I give it to the Shivat Aminim, or do I give it to Chavid? That's one. Number two is, there is a machoket amongst the Rishonim, whether Bori Priyayit and Bori Priyadama are considered to be separate brachot. Is really Bori Priyayit in the hierarchy above Bori Priyadama, or not? Obviously, if it's above, then there'll be no question if there's competition between Hadama and Aits, that Aits will go first. According to many of the Rishonim, Ha'etz and Hadama are in the same category, and that means that I will give precedence, even maybe to something that's Hadama, if I like it better, 
over something that's tights because they are considered to be in the same circle or on the same level. So that's important. The last thing is then, what is the halakha with regards to Chaviv versus Shivat Aminim? The Rambam says that Chaviv is the determining factor. The Shulchan Aruch brings down both opinions, one that the Shivat Aminim takes precedence and the other one that Chaviv takes precedence. So he brings down both the halakha. It seems in general that we are notea to the tzad of Chaviv, that when it's something that you like better, that will get precedence even over Shivat Aminim. Again, even though it's a machloket all the way from the time to Gonim, basically down through the Rishonim, through the Psakalocha, nevertheless, the Minagolam is the precedence to that which is Chaviv over the Shivat Aminim. There are others, you can ask your Rav, that do give priority to Shivat Aminim. And Ma Tovu Ma Naim, if the thing that you like is also the Shivat Aminim, so you don't have to end up in this machloket. All right, now we're going to continue with Rabbi Hanan's statement, which is, that This Pasuk was said for Shirim. And what does that mean? That means that there are halachic shirim that come out of each of the items that are mentioned in the pasuk. Nemar chita. We have the word chita in the pasuk. Someone who enters into a house that has sorat in it. When you enter into a house of sorat, it has the equivalent of entering into a house that has a mate in it. It's mitame ba'ohel. As soon as you enter into it, you become tamay with the tumat of the tzarat because you entered into a house that had tzarat in it. So when you went, once you've entered in, right away you're tamay, just like if you walked into an ohel ha-meh. If he walked in with some items on his shoulder, and he's carrying his shoes and his rings, you and the items that you brought in there are tamay immediately as you enter. He's wearing his shoes on his feet. And he's wearing his clothing, and his ring is on his finger. He, the individual, when he walks in there, becomes Tamei right away. Until he stays in the house, the amount of time it takes to eat half a loaf of bread. A loaf of bread, or a full lechem, according to the Gemara and Erevin and other places, is Mazon It's enough for two meals. So Chatzipras is enough for a single meal. It's learned that from the Psukim by Tzorat that you have to tarry in the house the amount of time it takes to eat a meal in order for the items or clothing that is on you to become a tamay. How long must you tarry? So the Bible says here, amount of time it takes to eat half a loaf, one suda, and that is only if it's patritim, it's bread made out of wheat, which is easier to eat than other grains. Velopatzorim and not barley bread. Mesav, when he's on his side laying down, vochlan beliftan, he's eating them together with something that goes along with the bread to make it easier to swallow. So that's the amount of time he has to be there. And the word chita here is teaching us that the qualification for the amount of time that one might spend there is based on a loaf that's made out of chita. Seora, when we're doing seora, it's the tanan. We have a mishnah. Etzem kit seora mitameba magal masav inu mitameba el. So Allah the Moshe Misinai, that a bone the size of a barley seed is mitameba magal masav. If you come into contact with it or you carry it, you'll be tamay tumatameh. But if you are in an ohel with it, it does not have tumat ohel. Tumat ohel has a higher threshold in order to convey tumah. Etzim kisarah does not meet that threshold. So therefore here, from the word se'orah, we learn out the din, or the loch of etzim kisarah. Geffen. is k'day reviyat yayin l'nazir. Now Rashi and Tosabot both here discuss what that means. In terms of reviyat yayin for the nazir, the nazir is restricted from consuming grape products, and a revi'it is the threshold by which he is violating that he's sore of consuming grape products. The machlot between Rashi and Tosafot is, why do you have to mention a revi'it by yayin as opposed to a revi'it in general? We have revi'it as a measurement of consumption of liquids. Why is yayin here by the nazir different than that by water? 
So Rashi says, well, a reviat of yayin is not the same as a reviat of mayim. Now that's interesting because it's a volumetric measure. And if it's a volumetric measure, then it should make no difference the density or the properties of the liquid that's in there because they still have to take up the same volumetric measurement of a reviit. But Rashi says water, which is thinner, and wine that is thicker actually have a different measurement of a reviit. What Rashi is most likely referring to is the fact that if we looked at it from a weight basis, wine would be greater than that of water because of the properties of wine as opposed to that of water. So that's why the Gemara has to specify here yayin separately from mayim. Tosafot, on the other hand, describes it differently and says that they are actually volumetrically different, and that is because of the surface tension. Water, which is thinner, falls over the top when you pour the water up to the top of the reviit, whereas wine, because of its density and its properties, even when you get it up to the top of the cup, it will hang on and its surface tension will be greater. And therefore, a reviit yayin will actually be distinct or different than a reviit of mayim. Te'ena, a fig, teaches us, Mishnah on Shabbat tells us, the amount of food that you must carry on Shabbat to be chayav is the size of a gugoret, a dried fig. Fig is the determining factor for carrying on Shabbat. It's the shear for carrying on Shabbat. Foods, there are Mishnayot in Shabbat that have specific shiurim for specific types of foods and other tanaim that argue. But the general principle is, anything that's not covered by any other threshold or shiur, etayna, the gugoret, is the determining size. Rimon. Rimon is used by the Mishnayot by Tuma, which is Ketanan, Kol Kalei Balei Abatim. Any any utensils that are home-based utensils, shiuran kerimonim. In order to no longer be functional, they have to have a hole in them that will allow a rimon to fall out of them. The Mishnah in Kelim discusses how a keli loses its shame kli. An item will only become tamei or mikabel tuma as long as it's classified as a kli. If it loses its shame kli, it no longer will be tamei. So when does it lose its shame kli? Mishnayot there discuss the size of the holes that it has in it. And as the hole gets larger, what ends up happening is a person changes its utility. It was used for something before. When the hole comes into the kli, you move it over to utilize with bigger items. And so on and so forth until you reach the biggest item, which is a remote. It's a pomegranate. So that's a very large item. If it has a hole that will not allow it to hold on to remonim, then already even a balabite, even someone in their house, will discard that item because it's no longer usable. It no longer has any utility and it will not be tame. So that's what remote teaches us. Eret Zeit Shemen. What does that teach us about? The land in which all of its shirim are kizetim, are like olive sizes. You think all of its shirim are zetim? We just had a whole bunch of them that are not a zayit. We just said a whole bunch that are not that way. Majority of shirim in Eretz Yisrael are kizetim, are like the size of an olive. Divash. What about honey, but this is the Vash, as Rashi pointed out, Vash Shel Marim, we're talking about dates. That's Minyana, the Yom HaKikotevet HaGasab, Yom HaKipurim. On Yom Kippur, we have a restriction against eating and drinking. That's because we have to be Mi'uneh. We have to be Bi'inoi. We have to be afflicted. The Gemara, in the 8th parak of Yoma, says, what is the counter to being afflicted? That's someone who enjoys or gets something that's satisfying. What is the size of consumption that one has to have in order to be not Mi'uneh, not to be afflicted? Gemara says there, like a fat date. If you consume that much food, that takes away the affliction of the day. And therefore, someone will be in violation of eating on Yom HaKippurim if they eat that amount of food. What about the other opinion? These are all these shiurim. We need to know these shiurim. These are all halakhic shiurim. 
Where does he know them from? He says, wait a minute. First of all, even when you're reading from the puzzle, you're still learning out of the puzzle. It doesn't say this is the threshold. This is the she'ur for all of these items. He's just saying that this is the shevach of Eretz Yisrael, that those items that grow there are also used within the halachic realm. But that doesn't say it was explicit. It's a nice drush shawl, but it's not explicit in the pasuk. Ella, what's the case here? It's midrabanan kras maktabalma. And the rabbanan learning out the pasuk. And the pasuk is just a nikah. They help to the chachamim to determine those shiurim, but not that it's a full-fledged limud. In other places in Shas, it says, Ella, halacha lemoshim misinai. That really, it's a misora, it's a kabbalah misinai. And the kroh is just a smach. It's just a help to remember or to give us those fruits that are included on this halacha lemoshim misinai. But now that it's a full-fledged limud, if it's not a full-fledged limud, then the postal is still available to us to darshin the hakadama, the precedence when it comes to making brachot. If you have choices, again, if you have choices between wheat and barley, we'll opt for wheat. If you have choices between different fruits, we'll look in the Pasuk to determine if they're from the Shivat Aminim, which one gets precedence. We're eating together. They brought before them dates and pomegranates. They hear something with the same bracha, Bori and they're both me Shivat Aminim. Vuna went and grabbed the dates and made the bracha on it first. You don't hold what Yosef says. That you, whatever is early in the Pasuk, you make a brachan first. Ramon is before Devash in the Pasuk. That which Rabbi Yosef said, Wait a minute, it has to do with how close you are to the word Eretz. Ramon is the fifth item after the first word Eretz. Devash is the second one after the second Eretz. Therefore, Devash will get precedence over Rimonim, over pomegranates here. Give us, I hope we had iron legs so that we can always be Mishameshu to hear these great words of Torah. This is such a great explanation that I wish we were always Mishameshu to hear all this good Torah that you had. Itmar, they brought before him dates and grapes in the middle of the meal. Now we're going to have a Machloket Amoraim, and then later we're going to have a Papa give a more global approach to this. What I'm going to do at first is follow the way Rashi reads the Gemara, and then I'll come back and explain through Tosafot how he disagrees with Rashi or where he sees differences here. So they brought him figs or grapes in the middle of the Suda. Since they are not part of the meal, they are something that you don't normally eat with the meal, you'll have to make a bracha on them, but you won't have to make a bracha krona that's covered by Birkat Amazon. Rav Nachman agrees to this position of Rav Huna. They require a bracha in front of them, as well as after them. There's a basic principle. It requires a bracha rishona. It requires a bracha chrona, its own bracha chrona. And therefore, it will not suffice to say Birkat HaMazon. You'll have to say in order to be Yotzeh the bracha chrona here. The only one that has exception to that rule is a pat hababikisnin bilvat. Hadababi is something that will be discussed in tomorrow's daf as well. I'll just point out here, Rashi's explanation of what Hadababi is, it's a dough that is made with lots of spices in it, and it's also filled with nuts, shkedim and egozim, and has nuts inside of it, and you only eat small amounts of it. Rashi claims that the bracha rishona on a Hadababi Kisnin is borei minei mizanot, the bracha chrona is v'loklum, borei nefashot, nothing afterwards, similar to orez and dochan. The same din as Borei Mimini Zanot in the beginning and Borei Nefashot afterwards. 
And that's no matter when you have it, whether you have it during the meal, whether you have it after the meal, always has that set up in terms of bracha. Again, if it's in the meal, since you don't need to say Barina Fashel because it's Loklom, you can be captured by Birgad Amazon, be sufficed with Birgad Amazon. That's Rashi's interpretation. Tosafot says, by Kisnin, if it's inside the Suda, I agree with Rashi, that it has a din where you, maybe you have to make a bracha Rishona, but the bracha Chrona is covered by Birgad Amazon. But he says, outside of the meal, I disagree with Rashi. If you have Padababi Kisnin, it requires a burial my name is an up before it, and an alamichi afterwards, not Baloklum. This is where Tosman and Rashi disagree about Padababi Kisnin outside of the context of a meal. Again, I'm going to leave over Padababi Kisnin to tomorrow's daf, where we'll spend more time on exactly what it is and what the bracha is. Now, continuing in the Gemara, Upligi the Rabbi Chia. This argues, disagrees the Rabbi Chia, Dhamma Chia, Pat Poteret Komine Makal. Bread takes care of everything. Bread takes care of anything that is food, and therefore, pata babikisnin, anything that you would eat during the meal, would be covered by the bracha of the pat. The yain poter mishkim, and making a bracha on wine covers all drinks. Amar of papa, now we have a papa coming along and giving us hilkata. Hilkata, dvarima bayim machmada suda, betocha suda. Things that come for the suda, inside the suda, ain't to any bracha, lo lifnehem, velo lachorehem. The way Rashi explains this is, something that comes, lafet beheneta pat, something that's together with the bread, it accompanies the bread, those items don't require a bracha vishona, nor a bracha krona. Shalom achmada suda, if it's not because of the suda, betocha suda, if it's in the middle of the meal, tuanim bracha lifneem, vein tuanim bracha achreem. You need a bracha rishona, but not a bracha achrona. What Rashi defines as those items are, things that do not accompany the pot directly, but things like daisa, kruv, tradin, vegetables, or farina, items that you eat during the meal, that are mazon, they're for nourishment, they're surveya, they satisfy, so therefore, Birkat Amazon will suffice as a bracha chrona. But in terms of bracha mishona, they're not covered by pot because they're not malafet at the pot. They don't come directly to accompany the bread. The achar suda, Rashi claims that achar suda means things that you would normally eat after the suda. Or girsa, and the Gemara says achar suda. If you look in Rashi, his girsa is dvarim habaim or regulim lavol achar suda. Things that normally come after the suda that you're eating during the meal. Of course, if you eat them after the meal, then you have to make a separate bracha. Question is, during the meal, if you eat things that normally are eaten after the meal, what's the din? Kagom, what's that? Like peyrot, like fruits. Fruits that are normally eaten after the meal. If you happen to eat them in the middle of the meal, what is the din? Statement of a pup is, you need bracha ben lifneem, ben lachreem. You need before and after they need their own bracha. That is the way Rashi reads this Gemara. So suppose this reads the Rashi on a number of points here. The one of them is the definition of what is considered to be machmada suda and shalom machmada suda. Something that comes because of the meal. And something that comes not because of the meal. Rashi defined that as something that's directly malafeta to pot and something that's not directly malafeta to pot. On the other hand, Tosafot says that's not the case. Anything that's in the meal is considered to be a part of the pot. Even if you don't eat it directly with the bread, it's considered to be a part of the meal because these are normal things that you eat during the meal. That means if you're eating kruv and daisa during the meal, those are all part of the normal meal, and they'll be covered by pot. They'll be covered by the bracha on the bread. That's number one. Number two is things shalom machmada suda. What does it mean, lo machmada suda? Things that come not because of the suda. Tosfot defines those as being, like Rashi said before, the last category. Tosfot says that's the second category, things like fruits. Fruits that come in a meal that are not normally eaten as part of a meal, they require a bracha rishona, but not a bracha achrona. So that's, if for instance, when you have fruit in the middle of the meal that's not necessarily connected to the meal as a whole, over there you would have to make a bracha rishona on the fruit, but not a bracha chrona according to Tosafot. The last category according to Tosafot is lakara suda. He does not change the gears like Rashi, but rather maintains the gears and says after the meal. 
What do you mean after the meal? Of course, if you're after the meal, you have to make a separate bracha. Tosfot says no, that in their day, they used to be what's called Moshchem Yadehem. They used to finish up the meal, and then they used to eat something else afterwards for dessert. That little piece afterwards that they're eating for dessert after they've really pulled away from the meal is what they're called Akhar Suda. It's before you benched, before you said Birkat HaMazon, but it's after they've really completed the meal. So that section, or that Akhar Suda, that's what the Gemara says, you need a Bracha Rishona and Akhrona, because it's not really included inside of the meal whatsoever, or the Birkat HaMazon. That's what it says, we don't have that today. That doesn't exist in our meals today, but in their day they did have such a concept, and that's what the Gemara is referring to. Why is it that things that come in the middle of the meal, that are part of the meal, that don't need a bracha rishono or achrona, again, according to Rashi, that means things that are directly connected to the pot, according to Hosphat, it's anything you normally eat in a meal, meat, fish, anything that you would normally have in a meal. Why do they not require bracha? Because the bread that you made the bracha on takes care of all those items. If that's the case, why do you have to make a separate bracha on wine when you're eating a meal with pot with bread in it? Why doesn't the bracha on bread also cover wine? It says, shani yayin, wine is different. The going bracha le'atzmo, it causes its own bracha. Rashi says that it causes its own bracha is because the Many times we make a bracha on wine even though we didn't want to drink it. Kiddush. Havdallah. It's used in other contexts which give it chashibut, its own standing, independent of its status as a food. And therefore, yayin is so chashub that it cannot be captured by pot. And there then, Tosla quotes from the Rashba, the explanation being that all other juices, all other drinks, have the same bracha. Bore Priyagopin is the anavim, the Bore Priyagopin, changes into Bore Priyagopin. It's an elevation of bracha. And since it has a chashibut and the elevation of the bracha, Therefore, it has its own separate bracha and it cannot be captured by pot. Now, the Indian halacha. So here, with regards to halacha, we hold like Tosafot, which is things that come in the meal that are normally eaten in the meal are covered by the bracha rishona as well as the bracha alone of the meal. We also paskin that if one makes a bracha la pot, it covers all food items. If one makes a bracha la yain, it covers all drink items when you make a bracha la yain, like we said in our Gemara. In addition, when it comes to items that are low machmada suda, according to Tosafot, According to Rashi, that are normally eaten lahara suda, like fruits, there we have a makloket today. So, for instance, if that's eaten as an appetizer, fruit or melons that are eaten as an appetizer, that is a makloket aposkim, as to whether it's since today those are normal courts of what one eats, therefore it should be considered as ptocha suda, or because it's outside of that realm of pot, mizonot, or meat and fish that are in the main center of the meal, you would have to make a separate bracha on them of bari prayats or bari priyadamah, depending on what the appetizer was, unless you eat them together with bread. At the same time you're eating them, you also eat bread. The same will be true, and probably even more extreme, on the side of desserts. Desserts, which come after the meal, it's almost muskam l'chol adayot, that if you have a roast, you have fruits at the end, in the dessert of the meal, that there you should make a bari priyats. It's more questionable when you have issues that are bari priyadamah, or cakes that are mizonot, whether you would have to make a separate bracha. Again, today, where your meal does normally include that, is that considered to be tocha suda or not? That is also a machloket haposkim. Tosafot brings down a machloket between Rashi from the Machs Vitri, which is miyuchas the Rashi, that says that when you drink water during the meal, you have to make a bracha every time you drink water in the meal. The Ri and the Rebbeinu Tam say, no, you don't have to make any other bracha, because once you made the bracha of Agafen, or you made a bracha on the pot, made a bracha on bread, you don't have to cover any other drinks. Drinks are either covered by yayin, Boripi Agafen, or even if they're not covered by yayin, if you had a bracha on pot, the drinks are included, because every meal includes drinks. So that's considered to be bitocha si'uda. And then Tosot makes a point about Pesach, a very interesting point. Why don't we make a bori priyadamah on the maror 
that we eat for Pesach. We make a bracha bari piyadamah earlier on the chazeret that we eat earlier in the seder. But then we don't make a bari piyadamah on the maror. Tosfot says, don't say to me because we already made the bari piyadamah earlier. You have the hefsek of the Haggadah in between. That's too long a hefsek and that bari piyadamah will not cover the bari piyadamah of the maror. So how come we don't make a bracha on bari piyadamah on the maror? Even though that's not a part of the suda, it's something that's coming in the beginning. Tosfot says, Pesach is unique. Because Pesach, it says, Amatzot Omorarim Yochlu. The Torah was koveya, that the Suda of Pesach includes Moror in it. And therefore it turns into item that it's considered to be Tocha Suda for Pesach. That is Tosafot's approach. Not everybody agrees with Tosafot on this, but I just want to point it out, because it's a very interesting approach of Tosafot to say that Moror has a unique status on the night of Pesach because of the loch of having Amatzot Omorim Yochlu. Okay, we'll stop over here, and we'll continue with the Sugi, and we'll discuss part of Abba Kisnin tomorrow.